This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Welcome back. We hope you're having a great day, uh, morning, uh, whatever it is, evening for you. I uh, don't know where you're at. We're actually... Uh, in the, in the morning recording this, so I uh, still kind of waking up, but uh, excited to be here. But I have a, a quick update, a little uh, interesting news. So on Sunday, you told us that God sometimes asks us to give up things that we love the most. And okay. so I, I um, officially told Kelsey, you know, my oh. wife, that, you know, I guess this is means it's over. And oh, she, she was sad, but not in the way that I thought she'd be sad, because apparently what she gave up or was pizza. Yeah. So I guess I guess I'm not number one in her life. Pizza was number one, and so Wait, so wow. Yeah. Um, so I don't yeah, know we I, we need to have a talk, Johnny. I don't know if that's quite what I meant. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, well, I guess pizza is. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, so apparently we're not on the same page, but uh, no. But all jokes aside, Who, you and Kelsey, or yeah, me and you, me and Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, her number one was pizza. So, uh, but yeah, we, we're talking. We're still in the series. Of Faith and doubt, um, still loving it. You are uh, mentioned that the series this this Sunday was uh, titled uh, "When Your Faith Is Tested," and God, you know, tests. The Ab- sermon was titled. Yeah, yeah. he uh, it tests Abraham's faith with the sacrifice. That that yeah. very famous story. Um, why does God expect us to have faith in some areas, and not just reveal Himself? You know, I've always had a hard time with that. Like, just tell me you're there. Show me you're there. Well, I mean, I, I, th- I think a lot of the times, you know, you look at this particular story and I think what's part of what's happening is not just that it wasn't it wasn't that God didn't know where Abraham's heart was. I think I think he knows where our hearts are, but sometimes he tests us or we experience other kinds of trials, whether it's directly from God or not. And 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 it reveals to us to us where we're at. And so a lot of times, you know, that test or that thing is not so much intended to to be a, a a test for God to see where we're at, but for God to show us the work He's already done in us, and so and so that's why He doesn't reveal because He's if He just said, "Hey, here I am. Here's what I'm going to do." Um, number one, I'm not sure we would accept it, right? I and mean, that's kind of what happened with Adam and Eve. He he was very apparent, that's you true. know, to them, and 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 they rejected that. So so I don't think it's clear that we would just simply accept what God said. I think it is likely that we would reject what God what God showed us. Um, but also because that test or that difficulty doesn't just, you know, it, it reveals who we are and what we've become to us so that we know where our faith is at and where our relationship is at. Hmm. You know, actually that kind of makes sense actually, because, you know, when it comes to my relationship with God, I think I would love for God to just say, Hey, you know what, here, here it is. It's black and white. You know, but there is something to the wrestle, something to the struggle, something to the um, just the process of having that faith. That it's almost a very, I know people look at at faith as being the big uh, crutch in Christianity, or the the you know like skeptics will look at it and go, well, you know, you need black and white, you need evidence, you need all that kind of yeah. stuff. Why would you believe? It seems so foolish, but in reality, the beauty is the faith. Yeah, well, and and we need to remember what faith is, right? Faith, as Scripture presents it, isn't isn't a blind 
uh, acceptance of something that you have no evidence for. God had revealed himself to Abraham a number of times in a variety of ways. His initial revelation to Abraham was direct communication. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to make this covenant with you and I'm going to show you this. And God had shown him that. Right. And so, so Abraham's faith was not without evidence. And I don't, I don't think God asks us to do that. I think he, he gives us a lot of evidence, whether it's in nature and whether it's in revelation uh, or whatever, we have a lot of evidence for God. Faith is taking that evidence, taking what God has shown us. And then knowing that, that what he has shown us has been consistent with what God has revealed the future holds as well. And so our hope is in the future. Our hope is in the return of Christ, but we've also got Christ who's already come. We've in the old Testament, they had revelation from God, direct revelation, many of the prophets and things like that. And so they had evidence, but it was faith was believing the evidence saying, okay, God has revealed himself and I believe it and he has shown himself to fulfill promises and I believe it. So now when he asks me to do something and I don't totally understand it, I've got all of this other stuff that says God's going to be faithful. And so then I take that step of faith, if you want to call it that. But it's not a total lack of evidence. Yeah, I guess you are kind of you're, you're kind of stepping into a little bit of the unknown. Sure. However, the known God has shown himself to be knowable. But it does, it, the, you're stepping into the unknown, but it doesn't mean you know nothing. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. there's, yeah, but there's a little bit of a, uh, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but there is that little bit of like, ah, that angst, that, that sure. trust that, you know, and maybe because, you know, he has obviously interacted with each of us personally. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of some of that is stuff that he, we haven't seen with our own eyes. We, you know, we read it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, Absolutely. but there is, there is a beauty to it. There's a beauty of saying, I'm going to trust you even though I don't completely know. Yeah. And it is kind of cool. Like you said, to see Abraham, you know, I just know that even my own self, when, when God does, you know, test my faith and, and my, my obedience to him and, and you come through it and you go, Oh, look at that. You know, right. Oh, this right. is really cool. And it really strengthens you and encourages you mm-hmm. even more. So than like you said, even seeing him sometimes face to face, you know, like, well, and then that becomes one of those things that is known afterwards, right? After you've trusted God and said, Oh wow, he came through. Now that thing is known so that the next time God asks you for something, you have more confidence ideally. Yeah. Sometimes we don't, but we should. Yeah. We should have that, that extra. And that is a beautiful thing. Confidence. Yeah. You know, you, you tackled the, the weird sermon of uh, a father sacrificing his son. Yeah, that, and that is a weird, that is very weird. Let me ask you a question, John. Do you think there's anything culturally that may have, uh, you know, like, you know, you, with, with Abraham and obviously the sacrificial system was pretty common back then. Yeah. Is there anything culturally or in context that might make this story a little more palatable? Not really. Not really. Okay. <laughs> no. I mean, there w- w- was there child sacrifice, you know, to other gods, you know, pagan sure. Gods, yeah. But, but that wasn't. I don't know that that makes that this particular case more palatable. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Abraham's willingness to do that that makes this that Abraham's willingness to do this more acceptable in some way. I think, you know, again, the author of Hebrews says Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead, but there was no, the idea of resurrection at this point was, was going to be new. That was, it wasn't, it wasn't like there were these resurrection stories or whatever that, that Abraham could look back on. We could look back on that. Even, even after that, right. You could look back on some level and go and go, well, it's not, direct um 
what do you call it when you're raising from the dead? Was it was it gonna resurrection? <laughs> resurrection yeah. thing. Yeah, it's not direct resurrection, but God provided a way for for Isaac, right? And so so when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, um, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't really anything that made this um, that I'm aware of, anyways. That that made this. Oh, okay. Well, that totally makes sense. That why he would do this. I think this is this is a big ask by God, um, and we should see it that way. I mean, this is. As I said in the sermon, this is uh, the answer to God's promise of a of a of a great nation that that He had promised Abraham. The answer is Isaac. It's God's answer has literally taken fleshly form, and now God says, "Sacrifice that." Mm-hmm. This is a big deal, and so I don't I don't think we should I don't think we should try to make it easier than than it appears. I, I don't I don't think there's nothing I know of that would. Soften the blow a little bit. Soften the yeah. blow. This is a big blow. This is a this is a hard thing. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird ask. It is weird. Yeah, and it should shock you. Mm-hmm. You know, as you read the script, as you're reading along the story of Abraham, you know, in, in the church we're so familiar with it because we've grown up with it. If you grew up in the church in Sunday school, you've heard this story uh, a number of times. And and Paul talks about it in Romans four, and James talks about it in James two. And so the New Testament and, and of course, uh, the author of Hebrews in, in Hebrews 11 talks about this story. It's an iconic story in scripture. And so we've grown up with it. And so in some ways it's become more palatable because of familiarity. And we know the outcome. Right. And we know the outcome. But when we first read it, it should shock our system. We mm. should be like, wait, what? God's asking him to do what? Yeah, it's this crazy. This is insane. Yeah. It is. What kind of what kind of God? Yeah, just what kind of God sense. is this? Yeah. It, it should shock your system like that, you know. But even you're talking about going back to having faith and and building faith and having some knowns, and so yeah. even looking at Abraham, Abraham is you know he had that ex, that interaction with God and he said, "I'm going to bless you through a son, mm-hmm. and you'll be the father of many nations." Right. And then once the plan seems to change. Abraham doesn't waver. He says, okay, well, yeah, it, the plan is still going to happen. Right. But we just got to figure out what, what are you going to do? Cause obviously it's, it's Isaac through Isaac. So right. you're going to have to raise him from the dead, which is, um, but, but he had that, that faith, it was grounded. And yeah. I think even for our own lives too, I mean, we, we look back and we go, God, this is what you did in my life. Right. So therefore this new thing that's coming, I, I'm going to trust you. Right. I mean, you look back and, and God had built trust, right? You go back to, to Genesis 12 and kind of this starting of the, of the story of Abraham and the promise that was given. And Abraham shows some faith by going on this journey where God shows him the land. Right. But then he shows a lack of faith going down to Egypt. And then he, you know, he shows faith again when he comes back to the, the, the Canaan and, and starts to worship God again. And, you know, and he's shown faith. He shows faith when he, when he gives Lot the choice of what land to take. And, and when he goes to rescue Lot, he shows faith a lot of times, but he always, he, he constantly shows this lack of faith. Right. But the, the Abraham of Genesis 16, wouldn't wouldn't have done this. He mm-hmm. he wouldn't have done this. You know, so there was there was a buildup, a development of 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 Abraham's faith where he followed God, that was good. He rejected what God God's plans, that was bad. You know, there's kind of the cycle he comes back to God. All of that developed Abraham's faith to the point where he was able to to go through this test that God gave him. And well, that's kind of even the beauty of how God works too in testing our faith. It's not, he doesn't throw us right in. Right. He builds us up. He strengthens us. It's like a workout routine. You know, yeah. he doesn't just throw us in the big game. He, he, he uh, puts us through some Gets reps. Us ready. Yeah. Repetition yeah. And, and whatnot so that we can handle the It allows us to fail. Yeah. And then, and then shows us there of our ways and we grow from that. Yeah, exactly. We learn and grow from that. Um, 
Well, you know, I love what I love about God. I love the the idea that he saves us from our sins and we don't have to do anything to earn it and all that yeah. great stuff. But you, uh, yeah. you you suggested that that God does ask us of other stuff Absolutely. aside from salvation. Why does he, why? Just let him do everything. Why, why can't he just do it all? <laughs> well, he does do it all uh, in a sense, right? When it comes to salvation, he does it all. There's no, there's no, we don't contribute to our salvation, right? Uh, we've contributed to our sin, to the fall of man. <laughs> we've contributed to that. Oh, yeah. We've, cons- we've contributed to what we deserve regarding um uh, punishment and, you know, eternal punishment and those kinds of things. We've contributed to those things, but we don't contribute to salvation, but God does ask us something. It is, it is not true and it is not a good understanding of scripture to say that God asks us nothing at all. He does ask us for something. As a matter of fact, you think about that. And when James talks about Abraham and James two. And James, a half brother of Jesus, he basically says, you know, you say you have faith. Show me your faith by your works. Show me your faith by what you do. Right. And he uses Abraham as an example. Abraham and James, it says, was justified by what he did because faith isn't real until you exercise it. Right. You can talk about faith, but if it, all it is, is a a vocalizing of some nice idea about what you think you might believe, but you never actually follow through on it. That's not faith. And that's, and that's James point. The half brother Jesus, when he talks about that, he says, he says, no, you know, show me your faith by what you do. Cause faith without works is, is, is what dead, dead. It's dead. It's not real. It's not alive. Right. And so obviously a play on plan words there, maybe referring back to Abraham and Isaac again, but um, you know, but it's so yeah, faith, you can talk about faith. But, uh, but, but faith is meant to produce action, produce works. Even in Ephesians chapter two, where Paul's writing to the church of e- in Ephesus and he says, you know, for it is by grace, you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. What? Not by works. So you, no one can boast. But then you get to verse 10 and it says that God did this because he has all these good things already planned for you to do these works that he has planned for you to do. So the salvation does not come by faith, but the, or by works, but the works show the existence of faith. Yeah. I always think about the, the movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Oh yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I hate that scene. That little bridge (laughs) where he steps out. You hate that scene? Yes. Why? It shows that it shows that he has the faith to, to put his faith into action. Cause Indiana Jones is dumb because all he had to do is grab the sand and throw it out there first. I guess so. And then, and then he would have seen the bridge, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> but the but the point the point is like it doesn't you, make as good a theater. Yes, but. you have to step. You have to step out in uh. You have to step out in faith and and based on on what is what Christ's already done and all that kind of stuff. Just to be clear, so we don't get nasty emails. I I like I like the movie. I just hate that scene. Okay, so yeah, you're you're worried more about about the pop culture, yeah, the movie culture coming after you. Yeah, that's right. Forget, that's right. forget anything that you say yeah. spiritually, right? Yeah, they're yeah. not concerned about what I say spiritually. Exactly. Yeah, like don't right. talk about yeah. Indiana Jones. Say should, should we? Can we reveal the the ending of Endgame now? You know, Avengers Endgame. I've never seen. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen it yet. No. So like, I, so I can't do spoilers on the podcast. Yeah, you don't want to do spoilers on on this podcast. Okay. Yeah, they'll come after. They'll come after you for that for sure. Okay. Well, um, well, just a quick movie review. You know, there's things I didn't, I don't like in it, of course. You know, because all these. All these movies have like all these virtue signaling stuff going on in them, but but really well done movie. Okay, movie. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. Really so well done. Very entertaining. I, I will have to see it at some point. Yeah. Um, so when it, you know we're, we've been talking about testing our faith and God testing our faith, and um, we even mentioned in the very first question um, 
just the importance of testing your faith. But other than uh, revealing where we're at spiritually yeah. and all that kind of stuff, is there any other significance to God testing our faith? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I do. I, yeah, because we, we learn through tribulation, right? I mean, Paul talks about this in Romans 5, and James talks about it in James 1, where you experience affliction, you experience trials, and trials produce um, these things in you that it, that eventually produce character. And so, so yes, absolutely. God is not, you know, and I, 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 tell, I tell people this as much as I can, because I think it's really, really true, and it's really, really important. Our culture tells us pursue happiness. Can I just tell you something? Don't pursue happiness. That is not what you should be seeking. Um, If you find happiness while pursuing the things of God and pursuing a right relationship with God and and honoring and glorifying him with your life and how you live and the decisions you make and all those kinds of things, then great. And I think you often do. But pursuing happiness is not going to find you happiness. I've watched this over and over again. Not that long ago, I had a conversation with... um, a young lady at the gym about marriage and uh, she has some views about marriage. She's like, I don't believe in marriage. And her, her reason was because, well, look at, you know, look at all the bad marriages in the world, you know, and the divorce rates and all this kind of stuff. And, and I was like, I was like, so you don't believe in bad marriage. That's different from not believing in marriage, but she's written the whole thing off. Right. And so, and so there's this sense of, of we reject the things of God because they don't work out in humanity sometimes. And God, God tests us to help us grow through the, the, whatever affliction that we face. Right. And, and it's not an, the idea isn't that we reject the things of God. The idea is that we reject the, the human fleshly, ways we've distorted the things of God Mm -hmm. so that we can embrace the things of God fully and completely and rightly. And when we do that, you know, it's kind of like, I look at, you know, my marriage, we're going to be talking about marriage a little bit on Sunday, this coming Sunday as well. But, um, but I look at my marriage and, and it's not perfect, but we're working on 26 years. Well, I love being married, man. Like I love my wife. I love being married to her. It's great. It hasn't been perfect. We've had to work through a whole bunch of things along the way but I love it and it's good. And I, and I think it's godly for the most part. And, and I get all of that because I haven't rejected marriage outright. Yeah. But, but I've seen bad marriages, you know, my mom's been on her third marriage. My dad's on his fourth marriage. You know, I've seen bad marriages, so I I know it doesn't work out. So I don't, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I think also, I even kind of, I think what you're saying goes along with what we're talking about right now is that, Trials and hardships are good for us. Yeah. They and they grow. We grow through them. We become mature and complete. If we push through and we endure. And I think that the idea of marriage is when, when people go into the idea of marriage or the concept of marriage, they think it's this is going to be great. It's going to make them happy and it's going to fulfill everything that they're lacking. Right. Well, the reality is, is I've heard people say, and it's, it makes so much sense, is marriage is sanctification. Absolutely. It's a, it's a process that is going to, it's going to suck. Sometimes it's going to be hard. You have to be selfless. You have to push through and endure and embrace hardships and annoying, being being annoyed by that person. But as you push through those things, then you, you find joy and that, true deep happiness. And you find and you find joy in the other person mm-hmm. in part because you grow in character and they grow in character and you grow in character together. And that, and that's, God's much more concerned about our character and our growth in that sense, our godliness, if you will, our holiness and righteousness, growing us towards that than he is about our happiness. And we ought to be, um, concerned about those things too. But along the way, we often find happiness. 
Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Not when we seek happiness for happiness sake. And that's what this young girl at the gym is doing. She's seeking happiness for happiness sake. And I have, I have watched her make bad relationship decisions. And, and, and so she's seeking happiness in these relationship decisions and approaching them as I'm just trying to make me happy. Even in our, my conversations with her, you know, it's like, I'm just trying to be happy. So it's not even about her sacrificing for that other person. It's about, it's about what the other person can do for her. Yeah. It's selfishness as opposed to selflessness. Yeah. And um, that, you know, that's often the case and it's, and it's sad, but, but character is far more important. And if we grow in character, then, then God's much happier yeah. about that. And that's what marriage is designed for. I know like even just talking about hardships, just real quick, I was reading a, an article and it was saying that retirement is actually a detriment to you. Um, it, because yeah. most people will, and I'm obviously paraphrasing the article, but most people, once they hit that, you know, say it's 65 and they're not working anymore and they're doing all of their hobbies and they're just being, living a life of leisure. The reality is, is that you, you, your brain begins, begins to slow down. You know, yeah. you need that. You need the challenge. You need mm-hmm. the, the adversity. You need the hardships. You need the. You know, you just need to be embrace the suck, man. Yeah. Embrace the suck and it doesn't suck nearly as much. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's good for you. And, yeah. and the point is, as you live longer, if you, if you can, you know, if you have purpose and you have yeah, something going on and, and something pushing you and all that kind of stuff. So it is recommending that you just keep working as long as you can. And yeah, um, which is kind of a biblical, I think a biblical value yeah, find too. Find retirement in the Bible. That's, a, that's another podcast. And I think we'll, we might even get there in the next couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, as we, as we kind of approach the end of Abraham's life. Um, but I, I a hundred percent agree with you in that article. Mm. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know, in John 15, I believe, uh, talks about the, you know, the vine, the, yeah, the vine, and the branches. Mm-hmm. And, and I, one thing that's always stuck out to me is, is the reality that God loves obedience. Yeah. Obedience is kind of like his love language. It is absolutely hundred percent from us. And, uh, how does obedience authenticate our faith? That's great. And, and I use a, a a Ray Steadman quote, which I put up on, on Instagram and, and Facebook on Monday as well. So you can kind of read the quote there if you want. But, um, I, and I use this, this Ray Steadman quote because he talks about, what was the his, quote? do you mind, do you remember it? Uh, top I, of your I head? don't remember off the top of my head, okay. but, um, but I'll, I'll give you the general idea. It, you know, basically said you can, you can worship with, with passion. You can pray with fervor. You can do all these things and, but none of them authenticate your faith. The only thing that really authenticates your faith is obedience. And I think this is true. And not only John 15 talks about abiding in Christ and the, and the vine and the branches, but in first John as well, it talks about, about God's love language as I've often put it. And you just put it is it, you know, being obedient. And we don't, and that, and that comes to this idea that we think we, you know, sometimes we present the gospel as just come to Jesus and everything will be okay. You don't have to change anything. And that's just not true. Um, God, God, uh, God, desires for us to change and to grow because that's what's best for us. And how does that happen? Obedience. When we begin to obey God, we're growing in our faith. And, um, and God does require that of us and ask that of us. And, and, and we, we are in error if we kind of chuck that aside and don't pay attention to that. And we suffer when we don't obey God. There's consequences for that. I mean, just read the old Testament, just read, read the book of judges. Suffer in the sense of, um, that God allows suffering because I know that God disciplines, you know, if we're in, in the faith and yeah, whether, whether God's allowing us to experience the natural consequences of our disobedience, cause God asks us to do that, which is good for us. Right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ask us to do that, which is bad for us. He asks us to do that, which is good for us. So when we do what's bad for us, sometimes there's natural consequences. Sometimes, however, God 
directly punishes us. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing because in Hebrews, again, it talks about God God punishes those he loves, right? Like a parent punishing their child, not because they're simply annoyed with them. Hopefully that it might happen, but that's not, with that's me, not good godly discipline. Yeah. God and I, yeah, he does yeah. that with me. So I, annoy, <laughs> yeah. I annoy him. So. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, when we're, when we're doing discipline right, we're disciplining for the sake of our children. For the benefit. For the benefit of them. Mm-hmm. Well, John, do you have any uh, additional resources that you've come across that you can throw our way? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think probably it would just be good for people to go read uh, Romans chapter four and talk about and you know read what Paul says about about Abraham's faith, right? Because Paul says it is it is Abraham's faith that justifies him, and 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 James says it is Abraham's works that justify him. Really, the answer is kind of both are true. Uh, so so I would read both of those passages and work through how do you synthesize that. It is Abraham's faith, but as James puts it, faith without works is dead. And so, so Abraham's works authenticate his faith. And I think that if you, if you read Romans 4 and James 2 and then even go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read what those say about Abraham and his faith, that, that really helps understand the story of Abraham as a whole. So I think I think those are probably the resources that I would focus on. Yeah, because and, and and as you do that too, it is a great thing because those are two passages that are kind of used against each other. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's one of the reasons. The like even is, even Martin Luther struggled with James, and that's why that that particular passage. But you could you can marry those together. Absolutely, and and it's a it beautiful should. thing once you realize too. It's like you know, it's just like you know, I've always think about. You know, you're not an apple tree until you produce apples. Right. You know, you can say you're, you're an just apple a tree. tree. You're just a tree. I want to see some apples. You right. Know? And we're not the ones necessarily that, that produce the fruit, but through our obedience and and yielding to the divine um, gardener who prunes and, and disciplines and whatever, we can produce fruit, which is a great thing. Right. Um, so, go, John, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. So, what's the big idea? Big takeaway this week. Yeah, the big takeaway, and, and just to, to kind of set the stage for that. You know, on Sunday I talked about about, you know, the way that God provided the replacement sacrifice for Abraham, right? So Abraham goes up, brings Isaac up, goes to sacrifice him. God stops him, provides the replacement sacrifice for him. But the the ultimate replacement is really found in Jesus Christ and what he sacrificed on the cross, the blood he shed and and, and the book Hebrews especially, but other places in the New Testament talk about that. Um and, and so and so well God provided a way for Abraham not to give his only son. God did literally give his only begotten son as a sacrifice. And so, and so with that in mind, I think, I think what we need to real recognize from the book of, of, of Genesis and Abraham's story is that, is this, we must not withhold anything from God because he has not withheld anything from us. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.